Hello and welcome to My Chaotic Mind, the podcast dealing with the everyday difficulties of balancing adult life and eating disorder recovery. My name is Kaz and I shall be your host in this little corner of the podcasting world. It's important to mention I have no background or training in medicine, nutrition or psychology. I simply have my own very many years of lived experience. That said, if you're sitting comfortably, it's time to come with me through the looking glass. Hello and welcome to the first episode of series two of my podcast. Honestly, when I first started this podcast, I had no idea if there would even be a series two and yet here I am recording it. I hope you have enjoyed your summer or your winter, depending on where you are listening from. Mine's been okay. I did catch COVID, but I guess I couldn't avoid it forever. So it is what it is. And I'm back now and looking forward to getting stuck into another six episodes. You may or may not remember in the last series where I was talking about travelling with an eating disorder. I mentioned that for years I believed I didn't like to travel. It was during my brief period of recovery that I came to the realisation that actually I do like to travel and it's the eating disorder which doesn't. The fear of who you are as a person without your eating disorder can be a huge barrier to overcome in recovery. And that's what I'm going to be discussing in today's episode. It's not something that I really hear talked about all that much, certainly not compared to the more common things such as fear of weight gain or fear foods or the mental issues which the eating disorder is helping you to cope with. But it's something that I do feel is very, very important, particularly for those of us who are older and have had an eating disorder for the majority of our lives. Most eating disorders begin to sneak in in late childhood or early adolescence. Certainly in my case, I was 10 years old when I began to realise that my body took up way too much space and the shape of it was all wrong. I was 12 when I would say the first signs of disordered eating began to creep in. I wouldn't say it was an eating disorder because they were inconsistent behaviours and they weren't major they would they would kind of come and go but when i was 15 is when i would say the eating disorder really took hold of me most people start to develop a sense of self and learn who they really are as a person in their late teens and early 20s so if you have an illness that has developed in the years before this, it almost stops you from being able 
to grow in that way, or at least it certainly did for me. It's actually quite a tricky thing for me to try and describe. And the best I can do is a very terrible analogy to the film 13 Going on 30, starring Jennifer Garner. If you don't know what I'm talking about, then you may be more familiar with Big or Freaky Friday. But basically, in these films, a child or a young teenager goes to bed and then wakes up the next day in the body of an adult and they don't have any of the social or emotional intelligence an adult of that age would have. And why would they? They're a child. And for me, having an eating disorder was somewhat similar to that. Of course, I did have some emotional and social development. But when I recovered at the age of 27, there were so many experiences I had missed out on. I'd never had a relationship. So when I had my first relationship, it was with somebody in his 20s. And although I was also in my 20s, it was probably pretty much like dating a teenager because all the things that most people go through when they are 16, 17, 18, I was suddenly going through for the first time at 27, 28, 29. Relationships are just one example. Depending on how severe your eating disorder is, you can miss out on so many experiences. You may not go out clubbing or socialising much. You may not be able to hold down a job. And these are all things that most people by their mid-twenties have experienced. But if you haven't, it can make it so hard to relate to other people of your age. What I will say is... If you find that you are in this situation, you will catch up and it's not going to take all that long. I would say that the four years that I had when I was recovered was enough for me to make up for what I had missed out on. However, my eating disorder in my younger years was not too bad. It allowed me to continue to lead some semblance of a normal life. So it's certainly not as though I was somebody who spent, you know, most of my youth going in and out of hospital or anything like that. And if you are somebody who has had that experience, then I do acknowledge that it can be utterly terrifying and so much harder. When it comes to recovery, the fact that somebody may not have the life experience that you would normally expect someone of their age to have can be forgotten and it's actually a really big deal. You don't just have the hard work of trying to put into practice everything that you have learned and all the changes you've made through the recovery process but there may also be a whole host of life skills that you need to get to grips with that you perhaps haven't had to deal with before. And I guess the name of the podcast says it all. It's adulting along with eating disorder recovery and it can be intense.
When you've had an eating disorder for the majority of your life, it can be incredibly difficult to separate it from your actual personality, not just for the person with the eating disorder, but for their family and friends as well. They may just accept certain eating disorder behaviours as being just what that person does. They may not realise that actually it's the illness that's driving those behaviours and they are not part of that person's personality. I think it's really important to try and recognise what is part of the illness as opposed to what is one of your personality traits. Maybe have a think for a moment or two about some of the things that you do on a daily or even weekly basis and really look hard at them. Ask yourself if you do them because you genuinely enjoy them or is it that you are mistaking the relief of a few moments respite from that eating disorder voice in your head as enjoyment? An example in my experience is that for many years when I was in my 20s, I didn't think I was that much of a social creature. I thought I would rather spend the evening in at home rather than go out with friends. That is actually the complete opposite of the reality. I love to party. It was the eating disorder that didn't because, of course, Going out meant there would be alcohol, alcohol meant calories, there was the whole unknown of how late would I be out and what might happen while I was out and all of that. And it was just, it was just easier to stay at home where I was safe and my eating disorder was comfortable. And I let that eating disorder convince me that that is what I wanted. Eating disorders absolutely thrive on routine. They hate spontaneity and change. If these are things that you fear, there's a high chance that's because the eating disorder is driving these fears. The real you, the you without the illness, may feel very, very differently. It's something I am still working on at the moment. I am very much set in particular routines and while I might have the odd occasion where I can break out of them, it's certainly not spontaneous. I have to think it over. Am I going to make this change? And I almost have to plan the change so it couldn't be further from being spontaneous. But it's something that I need to work on and I'm very much still going through the recovery process. So there is so much that I have got to work on, but it's recognising these things. And okay, I might not be working on this or that right now. It's something for the future because you don't have to work on everything at once. Take it at the pace that suits you and work on the things you feel that you can 
work on successfully. I am somebody who has tried many times to tackle everything at once. It does not go well when I do that. Something else which definitely hampered me from discovering my true personality is that I used to be a people pleaser and I think a lot of people with eating disorders have very strong urges to please other people. This can distance you even further from your real personality. If you're doing things as I did to fit in or because it's what you think other people want, it can make it really, really difficult to work out whether or not you genuinely enjoy these things or not, especially if this is something that you have started doing from a very early age. As a teenager and probably well into my mid-twenties, I was that person who, if somebody said, what film do you want to see? I would reply, I don't mind. What do you want to watch? And I can only imagine how frustrating and annoying that must have been for my friends. It puts so much pressure on them to always make the decision. And it meant they never knew if I was watching the film I wanted to watch or if I was just going along with what they wanted. And if you are that person constantly having to make the choice of where to go or what to do, it can be exhausting. Sometimes you just want somebody else to tell you what they genuinely want. You don't always want to be thinking, are they doing this because they really want to or are they doing it just to please me? And in case you hadn't guessed from the way I'm talking, I am no longer that people pleaser. I'm not afraid to say what I really want to do or if somebody suggests something to tell them that's really not for me. I've not gone completely the other way and I am not a tyrant where it is my way or the highway. Friendship and all relationships are a compromise, but there are times I've done things that maybe I'm not that keen on doing because someone else really wants to do it and I really want to spend time with that other person. It just makes friendships so much more balanced and so much more fun. Of course, I realise there are some people who love to be the dominant person in any sort of friendship or relationship, but I would argue that perhaps it's not the most healthy of relationships if that is the case. There are people who will seek to exploit the vulnerabilities of others and if you never voice your wants or your needs then they will take advantage of that and that's why I think it's really really important to try and find that sense of who you are. There have been times in my younger years where I felt I was so worthless and I was so sad, so lonely and so desperate for friendship that I allowed people to treat me in ways that really weren't acceptable. And looking back now, I can see that. But at the time, 
I couldn't. At the time, I really just wanted to be liked. And I'm not talking about major things here. I'm talking about other kids in my class at school, that kind of thing. Eating disorders don't just stop you from blossoming into the person you were meant to be, but they erode your self-worth and self-confidence. And it's a toxic combination. The person you are without the eating disorder may not be that different to the person you are with the eating disorder. It's very, very individual. In my case, it is like night and day. Anorexic me is quiet, boring, anxious, stuck in routines. The well me is loud, hopefully not too loud, (laughs) loves to entertain and make people laugh, enjoys being social and enjoys dancing. And I get that from my mum because even now she is quite often the last person left on that dance floor. I will say that it's highly unlikely the majority of people in your life will prefer the version of you with the eating disorder to the version of you without it. And if they do prefer the ill version of you, maybe they don't deserve a place in your life. Try to be curious about the person you'll be without your eating disorder rather than being fearful. I was so scared nobody would like the real me, but she's a hell of a lot more fun than the version of me with an eating disorder. This is going to sound so corny, but treat getting to know the new version of yourself the way that you would if you were getting to know a new friend. There's always going to be aspects of our personalities that we don't like, and that's just part of being human. I know I have the capacity to be a total bitch at times, but that doesn't mean I'm a bitch all the time. It's an aspect of my personality I dislike, but I try not to focus on that because it's only one part of what makes up who I am. To the families of those who are in recovery from an eating disorder, I would say try to be patient. I'm sure my parents could attest that at times it seemed as though they were living with a stroppy teenager, but it did pass. It has passed. Now, just go with me here. Let's go all supernatural for a minute. Having an eating disorder is kind of like being possessed by a malevolent force. It can influence the way in which someone thinks, acts and behaves. And recovery is a constant battle between a person and that malevolent force. It's going to be tumultuous and messy and exhausting. And the harder you fight it, the harder it fights back because it does not want to let you go. That is what it is like battling an eating disorder every single day. And it never lets up. There is no respite. 
letting go of something that has been such a huge part of you for so long isn't going to be easy. And the eating disorder serves a purpose, otherwise we wouldn't cling on to them for as long as we do. Learning to recognise the difference between what is the eating disorder and what is me has been crucial to my recovery process. And in all honesty, I still can't always tell the difference. At one point, I would say my eating disorder almost completely took me over. At the time, I didn't even realise and it's only with hindsight that I can look back now and then see at least some of the reality. I'm not sure I can see the full picture, but I I basically had no personality. Everything about me was geared towards appeasing the eating disorder. And I, w- I was pretty much just this husk of a person. And I have seen friends being taken over in the same way by their eating disorders. And they don't seem to realise it either. It's a really slow change and the illness gradually suppresses more and more of their personality. Sadly, not everyone is going to win the battle. And that is a fact that can't be ignored. Eating disorders do have a high mortality rate. And I'm sure if you are over the age of 30 and you have an eating disorder and you're listening right now, then you have lost at least one friend to this illness, if not more. I'm certainly hopeful that I'm going to win against my eating disorder. And certainly at the moment, I would say I am winning, but there is still quite a ways to go. I'm certainly not ready to give up. And I would urge everyone listening now not to give up either. Don't give up on yourself if you have an eating disorder. And don't give up on a friend or a family member or a loved one if they are struggling. I believe it really doesn't matter how long someone has had an eating disorder for. As long as they've got that, the tiniest spark of rebellion left within them, then I think they've got a chance at making a partial, if not a full, recovery. I think a lot of people with long-term eating disorders in their 30s, 40s, 50s and beyond can almost feel abandoned or written off because perhaps doctors or services aren't putting in the same or indeed any effort to help us. And you can also feel, I don't, and I need to stress that, but you can feel abandoned by your family and friends as though they've just accepted that, okay, 
this person's going to have this illness for the rest of their life. So we're just going to accept that and get on with things. But it really doesn't have to be the case. You can get better. That person you love can get better. But, and I have to stress this, only if they really want to. You can't go into recovery half-heartedly. You have got to fully commit to doing it because it is such a difficult thing to do. But even though I'm not fully recovered yet, I can certainly tell you, even getting to the stage I'm at, it's worth it. I guess the main point of this episode is to illustrate and highlight the differentiation between who you are and your illness. And we do need to see it as a separate entity because it is. Somebody who has a physical illness has a physical illness. They are not that illness. I am Kaz with an eating disorder, but I'm not the eating disorder. I shouldn't be Kaz the anorexic because anorexic does not define me. I hope that what I've said has been helpful in some way to you, whether that be in understanding perhaps how to help somebody that you love who has an eating disorder or even just gives you more of a sense of separation from your own illness. Now, on Instagram, I have been asking on the stories there for direct messages or emails with messages about the podcast or about your own experiences that I can share on the podcast. And I think the best way to finish episode one of series two is by handing over to one of you guys. So I got this email and I'm just going to read it out for you now. I've really enjoyed the first series of your podcast. Podcasts are my thing and I can often be found with my headphones in listening to one. I subscribe to a large number of podcasts, some eating disorder and mental health related, some foodie focused and others completely unrelated. I like a bit of humour and lightheartedness, as well as depth to the discussion, so yours ticks all the boxes. Your podcast is highly relatable, insightful and encouraging. As well as sharing parts of your own story, you've delved into discussions about the complexities of living with an eating disorder. The episode where you included your parents was extremely helpful to hear from a carer's perspective. Families and carers are often forgotten about, but are very much with us on our trajectories and need support too. Thank you for sharing your experience, knowledge and wisdom and helping me feel less alone as I navigate my own recovery from a 23-year battle with an eating disorder. Thank you for joining me on that journey and to the person who sent that email, 
what you've said means an awful lot. None of you are alone. I'm just a voice in your ears once a fortnight. But there are so many of us out there over the age of 25 struggling with eating disorders and trying to do everyday adult things like paying bills and sorting insurance and and stuff like that and sometimes sometimes it just feels so overwhelming so i just want you guys to know that you're not on your own Thank you for listening to this episode of My Chaotic Mind. If you have enjoyed it, it would be greatly appreciated if you could take a moment to rate, review and share it with your friends. It's the only way to let the world know this podcast exists. If you want to get in touch, you can find me on Instagram at edpodcas or you can send an email to edpodcas at gmail.com. I do hope that you will join me for the next episode, but until then, take care. Bye.